Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, June 23rd. We are less than one week away until the fortnight begins. The 2021 Wimbledon officially around the corner. That means we've got qualifying going on. At the year's third Grand Slams, the men's and women's draws beginning on Tuesday after rain washed away Monday's play now. If you want to hear a full breakdown of both of those qualifying events, hop on over to our Great Shot podcast feed. Crack Rackets contributor David Gertler joined me on an episode to break all of the action down. We name the players we think are locks to advance to the main draw. We named our dark horse candidates. We named our favorite next-gen contenders within the draw. And then, of course, we offer some predictions at the end as well. It's a fantastic episode. I know all of you will enjoy on this podcast. I do want to address day one's results, talk about the upsets we saw, talk about the players who put together the most impressive performance. I want to also talk about the other actioning happening across the globe this week. We only have a limited sample size of grass court events to take note of, take data points from heading into Wimbledon as such. It's important to watch all of these warm-up events closely, even though we've got less than a week before the main draw begins. We can still learn some things in this final week events. We've got a couple of ATP, a couple of WTA events happening this week. We've also got a challenger that, of course, I am keeping my eye on. What I want to do on this podcast is talk about all of that action, break down all of Monday's and Tuesday's results, break down the draws we have on our hands this week, preview the rest of the week's matches as well so that all of you Cracked Rackets fans know what to expect over the course of this week in the professional tennis world. Of course, the reason I'm able to do that day in, day out here on this This podcast is because of the support we get from all of you listeners, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and of course, from our friends at Tennis Point. You guys know the deal. Best equipment best prices, tennis-point.com. That's the symbol, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. You use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty tennis balls. Go to tennis-point.com. That promo code is CR15. With that in mind, let's talk about the action we saw unfold in our Wimbledon qualifying events. Let's start on the women's side. Was a fairly straightforward day of results. You look up and down the board, not too many upsets uh, seen throughout this opening round. You look at the seeds who were knocked off on the day. You know, I believe we didn't have any top 10 seeds knocked off. You look overall, number 2017, Renata Zarazura, knocked off by Tara Moore, 7662. You look elsewhere. Ooh, I did lie. Anna Friedsam, knocked off by Silva, 6475. Uh, those were your only two seeds, I believe, though, who fell on the day. You look elsewhere. For me, most impressive performances go to three players in specific. Uh, Annalena Kalanina, 61 6-1 victory over Garcia Perez. That's a tricky game because Garcia Perez has the big serve, the big weapons to hit through you. And, you know, Kalanina does have bigger backswing. She takes big cuts at the ball from the baseline. That's a little bit more difficult to do on a grass court. But Kalanina, a player who is so confidence-based, and when she's feeling confident, hitting the ball while landing first serves in the court, she's just really difficult to beat. And you look for her in this match today. Only made 57% of her first serves, but an 85 percent of her first serve points, 79% of her second serve points, held Garcia Perez to a 38% win percentage on second serve points, was only at 51 on first serve percentages, and to be honest, Garcia Perez did not hit her spots well today on the serve. Kalina was all over her, was 5 of 13 on break point chances, didn't allow a single break point chance for Garcia Perez either. She was my most impressive performer today from an eye test perspective. Everything was landing in. She was in control from the start. And again, 
She has top 100 power. She has the ability to play on her terms against the majority of opponents she faced. Garcia Perez, no different. Uh, of course, Garcia Perez always going to be more well-known for her clay court results, but that's a great win for Kalanina to advance to the second round. And now again, you look at the draw for Kalanina, who is seated here in this event. You look for her, I believe she's the number 14 seed. She's got Gasanova in the next round. That's a tricky one. Gasanova, a 4-3 and three winner over Savink uh, in her first round. Uh, but I th- I, again, just the weapons Kalanina plays with, the confidence she has, the success she had at the French Open. She was my most impressive performer on the day. Now, performances number two and three I want to turn to are just a couple of players who, again, have been trending in such a positive direction over these last 52 weeks. It's not a surprise to see them have success. Start with Beatrice Haddad Maya, who, of course, had a lot of injuries keep her out of play over the last few seasons. You look now in her last 52 weeks, and I've talked about this before the success she's had at the ITF level and building back up her ranking. She's back up to number 188. That's on the back of a 63-11 and 11 performance in her last 52 weeks. Now 64-11 and 11 with her win here today. That's over an 85% win percentage. And you look for her in the build-up to this played a couple of weeks ago, won a 25K on the hard court. She's made so many finals, won so many titles at the 25K level and played pretty exclusively at that level over the last 52 weeks, but she's dominated there. And again, those, you know, she's mixed in some 60Ks as well. Uh, the players you see in those 60K events are often the players you see competing here in these qualifying rounds for Beatrice Haddad Maya. Again, she's still working her way back up. She hit her career high of number 58 back in 2017. And, you know, she was struggling to find her form today. You look for her by the way, overall in her career, Haddad Maya, 10-8 and eight in her career on grass courts. Back in 2019, she did qualify, win her first round over Muguruza before being knocked out in three by Harriet Darden. She's made second round at Wimbledon back in 2017 as well before losing a second round match to Simona Halep. She's had success and she does have some experience on these grass courts and obviously we know how well she can play when she's clicking. She's dangerous for whomever she matches up across from the net and you look at where she is at in the draw for Beatrice Haddad Maya in terms of her next matchup. She's got uh, Yvonne Bonaventure, the number 21 seed, really good performance today, 2-2 two and two win over Alley Kick. Beatrice Haddad Maya, 3-6-6-2-6-4 over uh, Sneeger. Uh, she advances to the second round of qualifying. That's your second most impressive performer. Performance number three that I want to turn to, Claire Liu. The 21-year-old American who up to number 120 in the rankings, that's a uh, new career high, and that's on the back of a 34-15 and 15 performance in her last 52 weeks. And she's someone who jumped up the rankings early on with some success at the high-level ITF events, but then sort of plateaued 2018-2019. You look for her over that span. She was 21-24 and 24 in 2018, 23-23 and 23 in 2019, has re-found her rhythm here over these last 52 weeks. As I mentioned, she uh, is 34 and 15. She's also got a couple of titles under her belt, or excuse me, a couple of finals. She made the 25K final in Boca Raton back in uh, late February. She followed that up by Newport Beach final uh, the next week. She made and won the title at the 60K in Charlottesville at the end of April, won the 100K title on the clay in Charleston, made the quarterfinals last week on the clay event in Bull, going there, taking advantage, getting wins over Gorgadze and Sarah Ronnie before being knocked out in three by Aranxa Roos. She's played some good tennis of late, and she did get to play the qualifying in Berlin. Now, she lost to Niemeyer, second round of qualifying, but she found a rhythm here today, a very convincing and confident performance from Claire Liu as she advances on the day with a 3-2 and two win over Jamie Loeb. In terms of the other notable results, I talk about this with David, the slice and dice game, the creativity of Mayo Hippie, who, if you, like me, watched every Calvin's uh, tennis, uh, you know, zoo tennis video, there it is, Colette Lewis's content, you you saw her dominate the junior circuit towards the end of her career, two and four win for her today over Whitney Osigwe, who just still hasn't quite put it together. When it looks good, it looks really good, uh, but it didn't look great for her today. Uh, win for Hippie, you also had wins for, from Gorgadze, Gasanova, Katie Volley, that 6-1-6 love, the young American former uh, San Diego champion, finding her stride as she continues to advance 
in her young career. You also had wins from Serenko, Lepchenko, Nikolescu, Christian three sets over Caroline Dalahide, Astra Sharma, Kutsova, Dietchenko, Fit, Shinikova, Tan, Inglis, Wang, Meyer Sharif, a straight set victory, Rakimova, Kalinskaya, Niemeyer, Han, Kirkove, Hrithminen, Devroom, and then as mentioned, Bonaventure over Ali Kick as well. Those were your most impressive performances over the, uh, I would say, the first day of Wimbledon qualifying. Can I just repeat again? Beatrice Hadan Maya, 64 and 11 in her last 75 matches. That's fing insane. That is such a good performance from her. Hopefully, we get to see her back in the top 100 competing at the WTA level because certainly, again, the success she has had over these past few weeks. I guess it's hard to leave the 25Ks when you're winning that frequently and, you know, building up the ranking the way she has. She's back inside the top 200. She did that fairly quickly. Uh, A qualifying result here at Wimbledon for her would be huge. And again, some really fun second-round matches set. Uh, We also have first-round matches, I believe— Tomorrow is the rest of the first round matches. And then actually, I think you have a sprinkle in of second round matches as well, because again, we're a bit behind given the rain we saw on Monday. I mean, across the board, you've got some really, really fun battles. The ones I'm going to have my eyes on most closely, Katie McNally against Danilovich tomorrow. I think that's a fun one. I want to see what Maria Osorio, uh, Camila Osorio Serrano has on these grass courts. She plays her first round qualifying matches. Anna Konya gets her action underway. Uh, I always keep my eye on Clara Burrell because I think she's got a ton of talent. You've also got those second round matchups in Haddad Maya and Bonaventure. You've got Hibby versus Harith Minin. You've got uh, Maya Sharif taking on Niemeyer. Sharma Kutsova. Serenko versus Moore as well. Sarah Orani kicking off her action just up and down the board. The women's qualifying should continue to deliver some really, really fun tennis. That is your ma- your update through Tuesday and your matches you have posted on Wednesday. In terms of the men's qualifying results we have uh, unfolding thus far, again, exciting day on round one. Uh, on day one, I believe, on Tuesday, we saw every single round, uh, first round qualifying match played. That's, again, due to the fact that they are a day behind because of the rain on Monday. That's the last time I'm going to say that. You look at the results we saw on the day, the seeds that are knocked off, and I'm going to go out of order, but we did have, I would say, a healthy amount of upsets. You had Silva, 5-3, and three, over number 24 seed Evgeny Donskoy. You had Zhang, a 1-1 victory over Juan Pablo Varias, who, you know, he's a clay quarter through and through. He looked like a fish out of water on these grass courts. You also had Sebastian Ofner, really impressive, 2-3. and three win over Steb. You had Ramkur Ramanathan, three in love victory over Kovalik. Uh, you also had Arthur Ferry, freshman out of Stanford, rising sophomore, 6-1-7-6 victory over Pranesh Gunaswaran. You had Oscar Ota, continues his good form, a 4-4 four four win over Henry Laxanen. Uh, I be- uh, you had Jason Jung, 3-6 and six win over Peter Gojevic. Uh, I don't know if this is an upset, but Enzo Cacao, three-set win over Juan Manuel Serendolo. Those were your seeds upset on day number one. Now, it's really hard to pick your most impressive performers when there are these many first-round matches to discuss. But, you know, if I were to narrow my list down, Brandon Nakashima, 1-1 one one over Alex Vukic. I know Vukic hasn't played that many grass court matches, but neither has Nakashima. And again, you look in the context of the loss Brandon took last week on these grass courts, it's you know, again, I don't want to say humbling, but it's worth remembering that in his matchup in Nottingham, he lost to Thomas Fabiano, who in 2019, I think, what was it, third round, fourth round he made of Wimbledon, and Nakashima lost that match 6-3 in the third set. You look the week before, beats Via Martinez, was a 6-6 six and six loss to Evdeni Donskoy, a match, by the way, if you look... Brandon Nakashima wasn't broken in the match, and neither was Donskoy. Two tiebreakers. I think Nakashima's uh, uh, associating associating is the wrong word. He is. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking out, but I think he is familiarizing himself well with these courts here uh, at Wimbledon and these grass courts in general. He just is so good at moving the ball around the court, taking open space, and hitting through the outer thirds, getting depth on his ball when he has to hit in the outer thirds 
Really impressive victory for him. Really good victory for former junior Wimbledon champion, rising young Japanese player Shintaro Machizuki. one six six two six four over the tricky Hugo Gaston. And look, Gaston doesn't have a big weapon to punish Machizuki with. And for Machizuki, he also doesn't have that sort of plus power, but he does have excessive creativity. He was able to flash it all off in a three-set victory. You look at, again, some of the other impressive performers on the day. Good win for Botic Vendison, Sculpt 7-5-6-3 over Paolo Lorenzi. That big serve, big forehand on these quick courts. There is a recipe for success for him. I thought it was a really nice performance from Tiago Sabathvild, 4-4 four four over Comco. You also had really nice performances from Braden Schnur, three-set win over Diaz. Arthur Rinderneck comes back from a set down 6-2 in the third. He takes out Matthias Borg. Fun match between Safwat and Torbegard. Safwat in the end, 7-5 in the third. Very fun match between Max Cressy and Tanasi Kokonakis. That's another match. No breaks of serve in that one. Was a 7-6-7-6 victory for the former UCLA Bruin, Max Cressy, who I believe now has... Does he have a fellow Bruin in Mackie McDonald? I think that would be the final round qualifying matches. Mackie, by the way, comes back from dropping a first set. 6-7-7-5-6-2 win for him over Kimmer Kopenhans. Again, overall on the day... I thought that the players you expected to look good did look good. Uh, you know, a big serve and a guy like Hustler, third set win for him over Roberto Sitt. Dennis Kudla cruised 4-2 and two over Pellegrino. I will be surprised, shocked, dare I say, if the number six seeded American does not end up qualifying for this event. Camille Matrizek, your number one seed, 1-1 one one win over Yannick Maiden. Did 1-4, excuse me. Ditto for him. Uh, dramatic pause there. Ditto for Matrizek. I think he's got a very much open section of the draw. Again, I talk about this all at length with David. The result that surprised me, I thought Chris Eubanks was going to knock out Victor Troisky. He'd played so well of late. And again, the big serve, big game of him. you think it would fit like a hand in a glove on these grass courts. But Troisky just that wherewithal, the know-how, the institutional knowledge of playing on these grass courts as frequently as he had, just was able to get enough returns low at the feet of Eubanks, mix up his serving locations. He advances 7-5 in the third sets. Again, I know you guys don't want me to read all these results to you, so I suppose I will correct what I did in my first one. The the most dramatic match of the day, Thomas Matchek, 10-8 in the third set. He gets the win over Tommy Robredo. It's a really nice win for the 27th-seeded Czech who, again, still playing his first few matches on a grass court, finding his rhythm. He was able to do so in this match. I suppose the Challenger All-Stars we always talk about, some of the names you might be used to uh, familiar to hearing. Matchek gets the win. Tabilo gets the win. Chelik Bellic gets the win. Uh, Thomas Echeverry gets the win. I thought it was a really nice win for Kasper Zouk, 3-3 three and three over Lucas Rosal. These are names we talk about week in, week out. Alex Mulcan gets the win as well. Francisco Sur- Rindolo, a winner. These are the guys who are having success on the ATP Challenger circuit. Marcelo Barrios Vera, 6-6 six six over Mitchell Kruger. It's not a surprise to see their success translate to these qualifying rounds of Wimbledon. So again, a part of this is just a big pitch for the ATP Challenger Tour, but that's why we follow it so closely week in, week out, because when you see these players make a run through Wimbledon qualifying and then potentially make a run at a Grand Slam, know that they're making runs week in, week out on the Challenger Tour, and you can watch it all. And if you're not, you're definitely missing out on some fantastic tennis. But again, those were your big matchups on the day today. So many fun ones on the schedule tomorrow. All of those second-round qualifying matches. I'll talk, I suppose, my three favorite matchups Dennis Kudla versus Kasper Zouk is just going to hurt my feelings, but that match, spectacular by every metric of, uh, you know, again, Kasper Zouk, who's had so much success on the Challenger Tour this year, a couple of titles, and just seems to make quarterfinals of every event he plays. The next step for him is beating a Dennis Kudla, qualifying for a slam, getting his shot at some ATP-level matches. He's not the biggest guy, but such a strong, you know, well-rounded game, and it's a very similar profile in Dennis Kudla, who thrives in these grass court seasons. Would have loved to see him get a wild card, honestly into this event given his success on the Challengers and at Wimbledon over the years on grass or just grass court events in general. But that's a really fun match. Cressy versus Hoosler. I'm guaranteeing at least one tiebreaker. I would say there's going to be at least two in that one. I suppose there can only be two since it's one by two in the third. So I'm going to predict that's a two tiebreaker match. I think we do get a seven six seven either seven six six seven or seven six seven six result. 
Uh, you know, again, on paper, I would say those are two best in terms of the ones we'll be nerding out here at Cracked Rackets. Chelik Bellick versus Vandesan Sculpt, two guys we've talked about quite frequently. Uh, Matchek versus Braden Schnur. Uh, you've also got Greek Spoor, Machizuki, Nakashima versus Troisky. Just across the board, if you're an early riser, matches start in 6.30, 7.30 range. So you're going to have fantastic tennis from start to finish. Ooh, Milojevic versus Kolar, two guys who've had a lot of success on clay courts. Not exactly sure what that matchup's going to look like on grass, but certainly interested to find out. So again, those are your Wimbledon men's qualifying results. The action continues tomorrow. Should be really, really fun. A few days of play as we try to figure out who is going to round out the field at the year's third Grand Slam. Hey, crack fans. Before we get back to today's episode, I just want to let all of you listeners know that all of the content we produce here at CR is made possible due to the support we get from our friends over at Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming equipment in the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That's right, folks. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. And in a twist of poetic justice, I think our friends at Manscaped know the grass court season is upon us here in the tennis world. In honor of that grass court season, they just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawn Mower 4.0. You heard that right, the Lawn Mower 4.0. You can join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their most sensitive region of their body with this exclusive offer for you. You can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com. That's right. They let us stick with the tennis theme. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com. And look, a little personal testimonial. I think anyone who's met me in two seconds will be like, eyebrows, thick, legs, very hairy. Guess what? It looks that way everywhere, folks. And I can tell you firsthand, Manscaped gets the job done. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com and make shaving time your favorite time. Manscaped.com. The promo code is NEWBALLSPLEASE. Let's move on now and talk about the WTA events we see unfolding this week. I'm not going to repeat the term I was using earlier, but we'll say rain disrupted play to the point that they had to rejigger the schedule, play a bunch of the round of 32 matches all today in Eastbourne. And we saw a bunch of fun results throughout the day, certainly some very entertaining matches. Let's start with a couple of three setters. Alina Svitolina, your number two seed. Someone who I got flack for for placing in my top 10 contenders at this 2021 Wimbledon. She earns a much needed 4 6 6 1 7 6 victory over Paula Bedosa Jaber to advance to the round of 16. And again, why is someone like Svitolina playing a match this close to the start of Wimbledon? Well, it speaks to the limited sample size of grass court warm-up events we've had here in this 2021 season. She played one match last week in Berlin. It was a straight set loss for her to Alexandrova. Clearly, given the fact she lost first round of Wimbledon, has had a few weeks to rest up, recuperate. She feels good to go and ready to play these warm-up matches here at this Eastbourne event, and you know you can't re- you can't fault her decision after she gets a win like this today. You look for her in this match. Only made fifty eight percent of her first serves, but wins sixty percent of her first serve points, fifty three percent of her second serve points. Fights off thirteen of the eighteen break points she faces in the match, and you know I suppose impressively converts sixteen six of the fourteen break point chances she has. She wins over sixty three percent of her second serve return points. What was really impressive about Svitolina in this match was the tactical adjustments she made and the way she responded to letdowns over the course of this decision. Now, you look for her in particular. She played a really tentative first set in this match and you know, again, for Paula Bedosa Jaber to make only 50% of her first serves when she's traditionally in that high 60s, low 70% range on those first serve points and escape with the first set despite trailing by a break and down 4-1 overall in that set, that's one of those typical letdowns that we occasionally seen from Alina Svitolina. And, you know, again, she came out firing. She came out aggressive, taking the ball down the line. And her patience and rallies were ended up paying off because that patience led to her 
were getting the opportunities to be the aggressor, to be the one changing direction, going big down the line and just dictating the terms of play in the rallies in this match. But she got tentative as the set went along and just kind of let Bedosa work her way physically into the match and let Bedosa work her comfort point in the rallies to where she was the aggressor being the one to uh, servely hit down the line and again started taking advantage of Svitolina's first serve percentage which went down over the course of that first set and you know attacking those second serves playing that backhand big down line. Bedosa's rock solid unless you have the big weapon or exceedingly good discipline and Svitolina had a little bit of both in this match. It's gonna be really tough to beat her. But look, credit to Svitolina, who in that second set goes, whoa, wait, wait, I got way too tentative down the home stretch of the first and started playing big first strike tennis and placing her first serve well. And you look for her in that second set, she makes 63% of her first serves. That's the highest number she had in any of the sets in this match. She saves both of the break points she faces. She's two of three on her break point chances. She wins 63% of the second serve points and wins, I believe, in total 52% of her return points played in the set and just dominated Bedosa, who, unless you are are a little bit tentative and letting her sit on a ball in on the baseline. She's not going to just spontaneously hit that big winner down the line down you. She is someone who likes to construct points and work openings on the court. And Svitolina didn't allow her to do that with her decisiveness. And then, you know, third set, Svitolina captures the early break, serves for the match 5-4, Bedosa breaks her. Then, to Svitolina's credit, she breaks right back for Svitolina 4-6-5, uh, but Bedosa breaks right back, and that's where you could see a letdown from Svitolina. You let two opportunities like that slide by. Maybe you think to yourself, all right, this match today, it's just not happening for me, but that's not what Svitolina does. She steadies the ship, plays an aggressive tiebreaker, was, again, assertive in her down the lines, took a big rips on the second serve as well, and just took control of the points, and earns a 4 6 6 one, seven, six, victory to advance to the round of 16. We're now a matchup with big hitting Alina Rabakina, who's going to provide plenty of power, who, you know, Svitolina is not going to have to work her way into rallies, not going to have to be excessively decisive in the rallies. The choices are going to sort of be made for her. But that's another really interesting test because Bedosa's the physical challenge. Rabakina's the challenge to see how do you handle the power tennis and the difficulties of playing that sort of power tennis in a grass court match. You look for Alina Svitolina. Obviously, she's someone who has had success at grass courts in her career. You look overall uh, throughout the course of her career in WTA-level grass court events. Now, 16 and 18 belies the fact that she made a semifinal at Wimbledon back in 2019. And look, it was a relatively soft draw. She beat Sakari, Martic, and Mukova, who in 2019 are not the players. Well, I suppose Martic was, but those two are two of the three, Mukova and Sakari, are not the players in 2019 that they are now before she lost to Halep in the semifinals. But look, she's she's a tough out there. She also made the round of 16 in 2017. She beat a young unseeded player in her first round by the name of Ashley Barty, five and six, and then, you know, ends up getting knocked out in the round of 16 by Yelena Ostapenko. She has had success at Wimbledon before, and you can't say that about a lot of the top seeds heading into this year's draw, and certainly some many of those top seeds who have had success are also injured this year. So Svitolina is one to keep her eye, your eyes on. If she can get hot, if she can get a win over Rabakina, get some confidence here this week in Eastbourne, there's no telling the sort of damage she can do next uh, the next two weeks over the course of the fortnight at Wimbledon. Very impressive three sets for her uh, win over an informed Paula Bedosha Jaber. And again, you look at Bedosa, She's just a tough out, and she's going to ask every question of you, and unless you are on and unless you are decisive, she's going to be really tough to beat. I know you know, it's a little bit harder for her to hit through these grass courts, and certainly she's a player that thrives in physical tennis, and it's hard to play physical tennis on grass courts, but... I, I say Bedosa Jaber doesn't have a glaring weapon. She can hit winners down the line if you give her the time to do so. She is going to work you into the outer thirds of the court, create space for herself, just a really, really tough out. And so I'm looking forward to seeing her compete at Wimbledon as well. That match had all the feeling of a round of 16. Really high level in that one. Ultimately, though, it's Svitolina advancing. That was just one of five, uh, excuse me, uh, seven, eight 
three set matches on the day. Let's move next to our second most exciting match. And it's not every day you bagel a player before losing the next two sets. That's what happened to Elisa Mertens, your number seven seed, who has lost two heartbreaking first round matches these past two weeks in grass court tennis. Last week, it was 7-6 in the third to Alia Tomjanovic. This week, it's 0-6-7-6-7-5 to Coco Goff, who I just want to remind everyone, you look for Coco Goff. She's number nine right now in overall ELO rating. You want to go grass court specific. Coco Goff currently number 13. You want to go 2021 specific. Her now 26-10 and 10 record has her good for fifth. In 2021, Elo. Now you look for Coco Goff over her last 52 weeks. The result speaks for them. Speak for themselves. Excuse me. 36 and 16. Obviously, that quarterfinal at the French Open. Her first quarterfinal at a Grand Slam. She won the event in Parma the week before. She made semifinals in Rome a couple of weeks prior to that. And we've seen her have success at Wimbledon before. Now it's been a couple of years, obviously. And you look overall, she's only played eight grass court matches in her career. But 2019, she comes through qualifying, beats Venus, beats Herzog before getting knocked out by Halep in the round of 16. Of course, that was her huge breakthrough event. And it's a completely different Coco Goff. It's a now a, I don't want to say veteran, because let's be clear here, you can't be a veteran of the tour when you're only 17 years old, but it's a much more experienced Coco Goff, someone who's far more ready for the pressures, for the environment, for the expectations that come with her recent run of success. And again, you look for her in this match. It was the progression. She did not serve well in the first set. It was 8 of 17 uh, in terms of making first serves, and Burton's was all over her. And look, Merton's made 70% of her first serves was playing first strike throughout that first set and uh the difference being I suppose in set number two uh you know Goff found a way to win ugly, and neither player had the best serving rhythm in this match. Coco Goff makes 40% of her first serves in the second set. The difference for uh, her, Elisa Merton's first serve percentage drops to 42.4, uh, 42.1%. I mean, look, again, Neither of these players were particularly effective on serve during the set, but Goff found her plus one rhythm when she was able to make first serve. She won 75% of her first serve points, and that was critical in the tiebreaker. She found her rhythm on this return. She got found her comfort level in terms of moving on the surface, and you know, again, She's got all of the weapons. She's such a tricky player because she can go down the line. She can go short angle cross court. She can work in the drop shot. She can move forward. She does have the big weapon of the first serve. This was a matchup of two players who can do a little bit of everything. And in the end, Goff, uh, Coco Goff, just had a little bit more, hey, great shot, had a little bit more firepower than Elisa Mertens. And to say that about a 17-year-old is crazy. And that, again, speaks to uh, Elisa Mertens, who can do a little bit of everything. But when she's got to manufacture pace over the course of three hours, she can break down a little bit. And that's what happened in this match. Again, you look overall, numbers aren't particularly pretty. Mertens, by the way, in set number three, makes 50% of her first serve. She ends for the match at 50.6, wins 79% of her first serve points is 34 of 43, but was 15 of 42 on second serve points. Meanwhile, Goff makes 55% of her first serves, 39 of 57 there, 15 of 47 on second serve points. One most importantly in that third set when it mattered most, Goff made 70% of her first serves, won 73% of those points, saved eight of nine break point chances for Elisa Mertens, who again had plenty of opportunities to get that break back in that third set and had opportunities in that final game as well. But Look, when you have confidence, when you've put forward the results that Goff had over the last 52 weeks, you get through a match like this. She was able to do so. You look for Coco Goff now. She's got another tricky one against big hitting. Another player moved the ball around really well in Anastasia Sevastova, who's also going to throw a lot more slice at her probably tomorrow than Coco, uh, than, excuse me, uh, than uh, Elisa Mertens. There's the name I was looking for, did today, but... It's just an interesting second round match. And again, to go first Vitalina, imagine that draw. Bedosa, Rabakina, Goff. That's a gauntlet. Uh, but certainly Goff is the favorite tomorrow against Sevasova, who the lucky loser knocks off qualifier Martha Kostyuk, 6-1-6-7-6-4 in what was a really fun three-set match. And I'm not writing off Kostyuk heading into Wimbledon because with her sort of power tennis as well, I just think the experience for Sevastova went out in the end. The slice, the angle, the variety she played with, a little bit more dynamic than Kostyuk's game. But 
I'm keeping my eye on Kostyuk. I'm keeping my eye on Sevasova as well. She can just do a lot of things and hurt you in a bunch of different ways. That's a really fun bottom quarter. And by the way, this draw for the week before a slam, it's freaking loaded. You look elsewhere up and down the board. First career grass court win for Bianca Andreescu, 6-4-2-6-6-2 over Christina McHale. Again, is she healthy? I think that's all that matters because her game translates regardless of what the court surface is. And there's just, again, a, a decisiveness, a hubris about her. It works everywhere. She's damn good. And she plays big. Uh, she certainly did in this McHale match. She's got a really fun matchup now against Annette Conteve, who, again, is a very good litmus test match to where you're at physically, how you're feeling, how how much you're willing to suffer for Conteve. She was another three-cent match on the day. It was over Svetlana Kuznetsova, 6-3 in the third. Uh, that, those are your other three. Iga Sviantek, your last five. Uh, excuse me, there were eight of them on the day. So I suppose uh, I'm missing one more, I think, here. Uh, oh, yeah, Camilla Georgie, three sets over Carolina Plisko. We'll get to that momentarily. Iga Sviantek, three sets over Heather Watson. Why she's not one of my top 10 contenders now, that was her first career win on grass. And yeah, she's got the weapon, the explosion, the return skills, the comfort level moving forward, the athleticism, the length, the ability to change direction, that her game's going to translate across surfaces as well. I just want to see a little bit more. And maybe I will have her in the top 10 by the end of this week. Uh, But, you know, again, Watson coming off of, I think, a semifinal last week. Uh, This was a really good result for her. This was a fun match. And this was a good win for Iga, certainly to advance 7-5 in the third, and now she'll get last, she'll get last week's finalist, Daria Kasikina, who advances after Vera Zivanareva retires at 2-all in the second set. Kasikina going to stretch Sviantek to the outer thirds, but she doesn't have that big weapon to hurt Iga with, so this is a match Iga should win, and then she'll get the big weapon in either Yelena Ostapenko or last week's champion in Onjabur, so... Certainly, Sviantek has the opportunity to test herself, a, uh, test herself a couple more times before Wimbledon begins. Got a test today from Watson. Ultimately, ends up passing it 7-5 in the third set. I mentioned the Kasikina win. Ostapenko, 1-3 over Anastasia Pavelchenkova. Her power tennis, her decisiveness, hand in a glove on these grass courts. Own Jabour, we saw her win last week. I talked about her on yesterday's mini break. She continues her run of success, her variety, her decisiveness, her ability to change direction. Three and six win for her over Marketa Montrusova, who just doesn't hit a big enough ball to hit through these courts. Certainly has the drop shot to make you uncomfortable, but Jabour was ready and responded well. You look at your other results in this event thus far. Belinda Bencic, last week's finalist, she continues to rock and roll. I like to see her playing and rolling the dice while the mic is hot. One and three win over Petra Martic. She's got now got victory. Victoria Golubic, who, by the way, I mentioned it at the French Open, there are times when she looks like the best player in the world, uh, because when that backhand is clicking, when she's hitting through the ball, she's just going to have you on a string. She takes it to wildcard Sam Stozer, 6-2, 6-3 win for her in this match. Again, it's Golubic versus uh, Bencic, and then Conteve versus Andrescu. You also got Shelby Rogers, 1-5 win over soon-to-be-retiring Kiki Burtons. That was sad news to hear, but... Look, let's not take away from Shelby, who's starting to play her best tennis and has the weapons to succeed on these grass courts. Gets a lucky loser, makes the most of it, 1-5 in five win. She now has Camilla Georgie, who gets a three-set win over Carolina Pliskova. Carolina Pliskova going to drop out of the top 10 for the first time since 2015. That's striking. But look, she struggled throughout the course of this year. And you look at her metrics, ELO ratings, not a fan of Carolina Pliskova right now. She's slid to number 16 in overall ELO. She's currently on these grass courts, ranked sixth in grass court ELO. But you look for her here in 21 specific uh, ELO rating. Carolina Pliskova, number 28. She's now 15 and 12 this season again. Does she have the weapons to be a top 30 player? Sure. Has she been a top 10 player? No. And that's sad to say because she has been so good for so long, but has that window for her to win a Grand Slam closed? It honestly might have. That's a bigger discussion for a later time, I suppose. Uh, She gets knocked off again. Not to take away from the storyline from Georgie, who when the ball's exploding, it's exploding off of her racket, but she advances in three sets over Pliskova. Your last two matches on the day, Sabalenka, straight set win over Bernard 
Marta Pera. Good to see her rebound after her three-set loss last week. And then Allie Risk, reminding everyone how good she is on grass courts. Three and four win over Kudermatova. That Sabalenka Risk match must watch tennis tomorrow. You know we here at Cracked Rackets are certainly looking forward to it. That was longer than I expected to spend on Eastbourne, so I'm going to fly through this Hamburg a little bit faster there, a little bit ahead of this draw. You look at the most notable performances on the day. Petra Kvitova gets a three-set win, and I think more important than anything else, she just looked healthy on the day as she ultimately advances 4-6-6-1-6-4 over Katarzyna Peter. Uh, again, for Kvitova, just a bunch of, she went up uh, in that first and then just, you know, or didn't, just committed a bunch of errors, if we're being honest, and then, you know, found her rhythm in set number two uh, and then goes down a break, but immediately breaks back after a rough start to that third set and just when she plays down the line, when she plays decisive, good luck tracking down that ball on a grass court. Fascinating matchup tomorrow between her and and Anne Lee. Uh, that should be a very fun one. And Lee, by the way, again, the young American who I believe, is she a junior Wimbledon champion? She might just be uh, 0-4 win over Zaya. She's top 40 in ELO rating, and I think she's going to be top 40 in the WTA rankings in not too long. She continues to progress. Uh, you look elsewhere again, most notable heading into Wimbledon, Angelique Kerber finding her form. 1-1 one one win over Yashina after she lost last week to Vika early in the event. It, it's good for her to get a couple of matches under her belt, find her footing, heading into an event that she's won before. And if she wins tomorrow against Anna Blinkova, who earns an impressive three-set win over Clara Tossin, she'll face Amanda Nisimova, who's earned straight-set victories over... Kvinich and Petkovic to reach the quarterfinals of this event. And again, if power tennis is a premium, the big serving, big return hitting, big baseline bashing of Amanda Nisimova can translate to any surface, certainly these quick courts at Wimbledon as well. Her length helps make up for a couple of things also on these courts. She's dangerous, if confident, heading into the year's third Grand Slam. You look at the other results, Vika, Good straight set win. She's striking the ball well. Dangerous as well as we enter Wimbledon. She's got Alize Cornet next. Sarah Cerebus Tormo gets a much-needed win over Trevisan. She's got Misaki Doi. You'll have Sigamund versus Sinyakova in the quarterfinals. Sigamund wins over Bata, uh, Batia and Korpats. Sinyakova wins over Gracheva and Pegula to advance to that stage. And then Podoroska and Teague going to face off in the second round after they both earn straight set victories again. In terms of the biggest implications for Wimbledon, I'd say it's Kvitova, who can win the damn event if she's healthy and playing well. I'd say it's Anissa Mova, who's just going to be a dangerous, unseated player for sure. Angelique Kerber, given her institutional experience, and then, of course, Vika Azarenka, given her uh, just success over these last 52 weeks. Those are the four players I would say to watch most closely. And then Katerina Sinyakova to keep an eye on as well as you watch this event unfold in Germany. But again, that is your WTA action on the week. There are still two events playing despite the fact that there's a Grand Slam around the corner. So rest assured, if you guys are looking for action to unfold over the course of this week, you're going to be covered by the WTA Tour. Who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor to bring the service provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the red clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hard True has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard True in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. To learn more about their state-of-the-art surfaces, along with their catalog customizable on-court accessories, check out hardtrue.com or call 877-442-7878 today. That's hardtrue.com or 877-442-7878 today.
And last but certainly not least, let's talk about the ATP action we have unfolding at both the ATP and Challenger levels. We'll start in Majorca. Daniil Medvedev, your number one seed, takes the late wild card into this event to get some more grass court tennis under his belt before Wimbledon. It's a decision that pays off as he goes down in early break but bounces back to earn a 6-4-6-2 win over quarantine Moutet. And look, Moutet, who is, I would say, my favorite of the tennis playing musicians. I uh, just didn't have a big enough weapon to hurt Medvedev in this match, and it's amazing to see Medvedev be able to play baseline standard tennis regardless of surface. Dare I say it's Djokovician in terms of a skill set and a trait, but then he's also got that Isner-like first serve, makes 71% of them, wins 80% of his first serve points, and you remember that he's six foot six when he does that. Does he hit the big plus one ball? Not always, but he'll take that first uh, approach shot cross court with the intention of you barely tracking that ball down and then put the ball away in the open space. He'll hit swinging volleys. He'll make a million returns. If you try serving volley, that return is going to be dipped low at your feet. He'll make that return deep in the court to just prevent you from having an easy plus one strike. There's a reason so many people think grass court tennis is success is in his future. And you look for him 43 and 13 overall, 19 and 13 in his career in grass court matches. You look for him at Wimbledon. He has had some notable wins 2017. He introduces himself to the tennis world, knocking off Stan Wawrinka in the first round before losing to Bemelmans in five sets 2018. It's wins over Chorich and Garcia Lopez before losing in five to Manorino 2019. Wins over Lorenzi and Popperin before a five-set loss to David Goffin. He's made a bunch of quarterfinals, semifinals on the surface as well. I would say it's Djokovic 1, Berrettini 2, Medvedev 3 in terms of my three favorites. And you look at the draw for Daniil Medvedev this week, he can certainly solidify that. He's got Kasper Rud next. That's a tricky match. Could potentially have a Yuri Vesely in the semifinals, then maybe a date with, let's say, Ugo Umber in the final. He wins that match. You feel awfully good about him with that confidence under his belt. And again, physically, I don't think Daniil Medvedev is ever a guy you worry about. 71% of his first serves go in, wins 80% of those points. Struggled a bit on the second serve, but just punished the quarantine mute. Second serve saves four of the five break points he faces. Ultimately advances with a comfortable straight set victory. Now he's got Kasper Root, who has not played many grass court matches in his career. You look for him now overall. This was his second and third matches that he's played on grass in his career at the ATP level this week in Majorca. Beats Jill Simone in straight sets in round one. Beats uh, Tennis Sandgren round two. What's been so interesting, he's employed his backhand slice so much more frequently on these grass courts than he does on the clay courts. And it's worked against Simone and Sandgren, who don't have the big weapons from the ground to just automatically punish you. They're not going to unload 120 mile per hour forehands inside in, inside out, and just rip a winner by you. They're going to try and work you to the outer thirds of the court before attacking the open space and moving forward. But it's really hard to do that against Kasparud, who moves the ball around so well, who physically just looks comfortable moving on any surface. And again, again, if he finds a forehand, it rips through the court so easily, and I think that's why he's hit the backhand slice so frequently to give him more time to run around that ball on the ad side, hit forehands on these grass courts. When he gets a forehand, his ability to hit to open space and you know the heaviness of that ball is just really difficult to respond to. You look for him also in these matches. He's made 76% of his first serves in both matches, won over 80% of his first serve points in both matches. He's played efficient at tennis across the board, and again, Sandgren's going to offer a lot of, or going to ask a lot of questions, such a tough physical challenge, but Kasparud continuing to thrive. He's now 35 and 15 overall in his last 52. That's a 70% win percentage. Makes sense that he snuck up to number 14 in the ATP rankings, which by the way, is a career high for him. And it also makes sense that you look for him in terms of ELO ratings right now. Kasparud number 11 overall. We're not going to talk about his grass court specific or ELO ranking because he's only played three total matches, but number seven seven in 2021 ELO. He's now 22 and six overall on the year. He's been outstanding. One of your breakthrough players and in the hunt for one of those spots at the year end finals. And honestly, it shouldn't shock anyone because he has been that good. We still need to see him do it on the hard courts, but to see him do it on the grass court is certainly a noticeable development. And like, again, I need to see him play a guy with a big weapon, but he's beaten two players. He's supposed to eat, eat, hey, great shot. He's supposed to beat, and that's what you ask for 
he's supposed to eat. This is what happens when you record a podcast this late at night. That, hey, great shot. Put that in the blooper reel. But anyways, good win for Casper Ruud to advance to the quarterfinals. Your other winner on the day, Feliciano Lopez, win number 500 for him, 4-6-6-2-6-4 over Karen Hatchinov. And then Adrian Manorino down 5-2 to Dominic Team, but Team has to retire after he hurt his wrist hitting a running, I believe it was a running forehand and just seemed to sprain or twist his wrist. And that was the report we got on Twitter afterwards as well. And it did feel, again, precautionary. Wimbledon is right around the corner, but Team struggled with a lot of injury difficulties and he played played a really nice round of 32 match uh, to earn the victory. I think he played a good round of 32 match. He didn't play a round of 32 match. Excuse me. Played a really good first set to earn the vic- uh, to earn the lead against Adrian Manorino, but just again, just can't, doesn't seem to have things break right for him here in 2021. Manorino certainly dangerous on the grass courts, but team was up 5-2. And so again, not much to say about the match. All we can do is hope and wish for a speedy recovery for Dominic Team. You look at some of the other results on the week. You know, big win for Umber to back up the title with a three-set victory over Kesmenovic. I thought Hatchinov-Pui was a fun round one match. Disappointing to see Hatchinov lose a match to Feliciano Lopez, especially when the game plan is so simple. But, you know, there's a reason Lopez is top five in grass court ELO rating. And I'm not saying he's a top five grass court player, but talk about a guy who knows how to win matches on a grass court. And shout out to him. Becomes the 54th player in ATP Tour history to win 500 ATP level matches. When you're on a list of only 54 people, you're doing something right in history. Shout out to him. Sam Query gets a really nice three-set win. You just can't lose a grass court match if you're Sam Query. To Carbea Espana, he doesn't. 7-6 in the third. You've also got Jordan Thompson, Stefano Treviglia, and then my guy, Yuri Vesely, who I'm telling you, pencil him into the round of 32 as long as he doesn't play Novak Djokovic or Matteo Berrettini or Daniil Medvedev in one of the first three, uh, two rounds dangerous lingerer, and honest to God, I could see him making the semifinals of this event. You look for Vesely now. He's got Carreno boosted in the number four seed. I think that's a litmus test match for him. He gets through that one. He'd play the winner or Tom, of Thompson or Klein. This is how Yuri Vesely does it, folks. Sneaks up on you. Big lefty, big serve, decisive tennis. Just keep an eye out for him. I'm very excited for Umber Query tomorrow. I think that's a really good test for Ugo after the result he put forward last week. Uh, just some really fun things. Again, Bautista Agut, after he struggled, loses his first-round match last week. How does he bounce back against Travaglia tomorrow? In theory, you feel like his game, his movement, they should work on the grass courts. We've seen him have success at Wimbledon. So again, lots of things to keep our eyes on, in particular that opening match on the day. Vesley, Karina Busta. Uh, that is one you know I will be locked into here at CR headquarters in a match we will talk about tomorrow, certainly. But with that in mind, let's blitz through the Eastbourne results. Again, all of our round of 32 now in the books. The only seed knocked off on the day, number seven seed, Albert ramos Vinoles, whose game will never scream clay court tennis. He's knocked out by Emil Rusevori in straight sets. V- big win for eventual third rounder at Wimbledon, Marton Fucevic. He wins 7-6 in the third over Badene. Very interested to see how Alejandro Davidovich Fokina competes on the grass because he's 39 and 20 in his career uh, over these last 52 weeks, but five and four in his career now on grass courts. Has only played three main draw matches on a grass court at the ATP level. Excuse me, he's only played two. One of them coming uh, in the Netherlands in 2019. He lost an 0 and 2 match to David Goffin. His other one coming today. He beats Mikhail Yimmer 7-5-6-1. Again, he's got that sort of well-rounded game, the athleticism, the decisiveness. I feel like grass courts could be very good to Davidovich Fokina, and that would be the third surface that he thrives on. And again, when you can play good tennis, your level doesn't dip on any of the three surfaces. That's half the recipe to sustaining a career in the top 50 for the duration of your career in particular when you thrive like he does all of the ingredients of a top 30 player. I'm keeping my on, eye on Davidovich Fokina currently at number 35 is the 21-year-old. You should as well. Fun litmus test match for him against big serving Vashik Pospisil tomorrow. How does he respond to sort of that sort of power on this surface will be interesting to see, but he plays a very solid match to knock off Mikhail Yimmer in terms of your other results on the day. 
Again, I mentioned the Rusevori upset over Ramos Vanolas. Sasha Bublik, 1-4 over Kukushkin. Garasimov, 3-4 over Sanga. Ivashka ends the run of lucky loser Alistair Gray, 2-6. Milman, Popperin, Pospisil, Persil, and Seppi, your other winners, all in fairly convincing fashion. All players you expected to advance on the day. And then Liam Brody, 6-3-7-6 over Francis Tiafo. Now, the Tiafo fan in me, kind of happy Francis gets a full week of relaxation and rest before we get into Wimbledon. But, you know, Francis made 71% of his first serves in this match, won 74% of his first serve points, and yet wasn't able to get through because Brody was so efficient with his shot selection, with his service location. You know, there's only... I believe three breaks of serves, or I guess five breaks of serves in this match, but felt like whenever Tiafo made his move, Brody was able to jump right back on him, and look, Brody was the more aggressive player of the two players on second serves, and holds Tiafo to 6 of 20 on second serve points, Brody himself 15 of 28, able to execute at a higher rate. Liam Brody's playing the best tennis of his career. 37-20 and 20 in his last 52 weeks, that includes again a challenger final in South Africa, a challenger final in Parma as well. The success has started to come for him, and you look for him at this grass court season, 7-6 in the third loss to Dennis Kudla. He then gets the wild card into Queens Club, 4-4 four four loss to a top-10 grass court ELO guy in Adrian Manorino. Now gets the win over Tiafo. He's got Demonauer next, who certainly doesn't have that big weapon to overwhelm Brody. Brody's going to have some opportunities in that match, and he's going to have a home crowd supporting him as well, which really does make a difference in these matches. Now Brady's 16-36 and 36 in his career career in grass court matches, but got a lot of wild cards into these British events as he is from Great Britain. And as such, uh, you know, at times in his career when he wasn't playing as well as he was, is now perhaps uh, was playing matches that he was not well suited to win. He is well suited to win them now. There's a confidence to him. He is playing his best tennis. Very uh, well-deserved win into the round of 16 goes Liam Brody, where now again, he's got a matchup with number two seed Alex Dimonauer. And you look at that draw. Number one seed, Gael Monfils, going to begin his uh, tournament against Max Purcell. You've got Seppi, Rusevori, Sinego kicking off his campaign against Milman, Garasimov, Bublik, Paparin, Ivashka, Kwan, Fucevic, Davidovich, Fokina, Pospisil, and then Brody, Dimonauer. Up and down the board should be a fun week of action in Eastbourne. And then finally, you know, the action in Milan. Again, just to kind of rip through this, it's our one clay court event of the week. But since David and I didn't talk about it too much on the podcast, we did. You look up and down, Federico Coria, your number one seed. He's advanced your number two seed. Holger Rune advanced to the second round. Number three seed, Ulysses Blanche uh, advanced to the second round. In fact, I believe your only top eight seeds to be upset. Number four seed, Facin Domino, who retired down six love, three love. Number seven seed, Tamours Gabashvili, knocked out as well. Rest of your seeds were able to advance in the event, and you look up and down the board with so many of the top typical challenger players uh, playing qualifying this week at Wimbledon. You do have opportunities for guys like a young Czech player in Yuri Laheka, like, you know, young uh, players up the board, Ulysses Blanche and Holger Rune and all of these players. Opportunities uh, in abundance in Milan. And you look at tomorrow's schedule, Rune going to take on Jaziri. You've got Zepieri against Grenier, Lamassine against Kashin, Kristen against Guinard. You've got my boys, Evan King and Hunter Reese against Bernadio and Gabishvili, Galloway and Lawson against Capriva and Laheka. You're going to get your dose of Challenger Tennis this week that you need in Milan, so keep your eyes out on the action happening there. But again, that's what's going on this week on the ATP and WTA Tours. Two WTA events, two ATP events, Wimbledon men's and women's qualifying, and a Challenger event as well. Plenty to keep us satisfied for ten- as tennis fans as we look towards the year's third Grand Slam beginning next week. And speaking of which, if you want to hear more about the 2021 Wimbledon, rest assured, we've got preview content coming down the pipelines. Top contenders on the men's and women's sides, draw breakdowns, guests that you are used to hearing from, the Gil Grosses, Ben Rothenbergs, Mark Luceros of the world, all lined up to join the Great Shot podcast over the course of the next five days. So be on the lookout for all those pods to drop on the Great Shot podcast 
podcast feed, and of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, that show, our Cracked Interview show, and all of our podcasts. And if you've missed any of the action, you find all of our content on the website, CrackedRackets.com. You need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout-out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout-out as well to our friends at Tennis Point. Remember, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. But with that in mind, for our wonderful super producers, Fliegner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and for all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel, Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. 